0: outside. Jeff Smith, he didn't get there. Bumbles the football. Oklahoma takes over.
1: Oklahoma. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome to the Inside OU Podcast. It is I, Brady Trantham, alongside Mr. Keegan Renault at Vanessa House Beer Company like we always are every Thursday on Broadway and 8th in Oklahoma City. Keegan is downing his second Vegas wedding, Cerveza, which is brand new. Came out about last week around this time. And let me just say, as somebody who likes cerveza, it's pretty good, and I might have had probably too much in the last seven days than I should have. It's a cerveza with a salt and lime zest.
0: You know, it's one of those beers that, like, it goes down so quickly. Like, not even, it's don't like, get me wrong. That's like water, it. good. This is it's, another level. Yeah, this is a different story. It is It is
1: exceptional. It's the same, it's, this, it's a different chapter in the same story that Vanessa House Slay's all before them, and uh, they always do a good job, and we love it. And again, Thursday nights, bingo bango songo. I think tonight they're doing decades. Last week they did just about <laughs> they did bait, like they had a it, I think it was called the Jabroni playlist, it was like early 2000s new metal. So, corn, limp biscuit, basically everything. If you're my age, all the music you listen to if you were playing football, all that music that was pumping in the locker room. Or in the uh, weight room. That's basically what that playlist was. So it was pretty fun. But they do have pretty much nothing but fun here. So come on out on Thursdays or any other day. I think Wednesdays they're doing karaoke now. Mondays they have a Super Smash Brothers tournament. And it gets like real legit competitive, like man sweat in there. And some women sweat. For real? Sweat and some female sweat. On yeah. Mondays? Yeah. I may need to show up. Yeah, like I used to I used to play games, like video games and everything. But for whatever reason, like for... I, I'm I, I'm not anti-video game, but I got to college and I just stopped playing. I think the last game that I played that wasn't The Legend of Zelda was Halo 3. That was like the, the last non-Zelda game I bought, played it, beat it. When did you graduate? I graduated from OU in 2014. I graduated from high school in 2009. So NCAA
0: football was still a thing when you were in college? Y-
1: right as I was getting into it, yeah. And you didn't play that? No, like none of my friends really like playing video games. That's, uh, that probably I has a big you. thing to do with it. I, uh, in high school, I hung out with like the country boys, a lot of country boys, loved them to death. We had I, a lot of fun, but we were mainly just I never would have thought that. We were mainly just outside or at our friend Jenna's house because she had a big ranch house and a barn. So we could maybe, maybe drink in there. I don't know. Underage, I I, I wouldn't, I really wouldn't encourage that, but. Because uh, if you do, kids, you're going to grow up to be like me, podcasting. <laughs> <And> you don't, <laughs> don't want to do that at all.
0: But hey, you know what? I have fun doing it. I just have no other choice. It's, you act like it's so tough to come here and, and do podcasts. It, it's um, it's only tough uh, when
1: I'm waking up from a little bit of a nap from the day job And I'm like, oh, crap, (laughs) it's 5.15, I need to get to Vanessa House. Oh, man, that's such a drag. No, it's
0: not. Broadway and 8th is only like 20 minutes away from you and Edmund, I uh, can tell you that.
1: Yeah, it's like three minutes away from me. It's a 20-minute walk from my apartment. It's That's not bad. Drink the beer, burn the calories after. Exactly. So you just stay consistent. You just stay absolutely consistent. Now, Keegan, let's get into some news of the day, I guess. I mean, we can try, and everyone's going to be mad because, oh, it doesn't have to do with OU. But Bryce Thompson, former yeah. five-star recruit, who went to Kansas for a year, was very good at the very beginning of the year. And I don't know how much of it was just COVID season. Kansas, in particular, just really it was an atypical season for Kansas. I mean, the talent wasn't necessarily there all around, but, I mean, COVID really affected them negatively in terms of games getting moved around, canceled, and whatnot. I mean, OU had a... They didn't have Debbie on Harmon because of Kansas late in the season. Uh, But Bryce Thompson ultimately leaves Kansas, and now today announces he's going to go play for Mike Boynton and the Oklahoma State Cowboys. And I think, just right off the bat, if you want to be, like, super OU fan take without being, you know, negative towards Oklahoma State, let's just say Porter Moser's been here for a year. I think maybe... Bryce Thompson thinks a little bit longer about going to OU because there, there would be a track record of Porter Moser, what he's trying to instill at OU, uh, which probably made it that much easier that, okay, OU's trying to do something brand new, He probably likes the coaching staff, but Mike Boynton's rather proven in terms of, I had Kate Cunningham, and he had a lot of success, he's going to win all these awards, be the number one overall pick in the NBA draft, come to Oklahoma State with some fairly good talent around the roster, and come make it work.
0: This was one of those things that I think you hit the nail on the head at the top, right? With Porter Moser, if this staff had been in place and recruited Bryce early on in his high school days, like what Oklahoma State has, like with what a lot of the schools have, that like Frank Haith and Tulsa was in it as well. I, I've i been led to believe today Oklahoma was fighting a large mountain on this. I I can imagine. And... This sounds like something that has been, let's say, in the works for a while. And I do think, though, that you have to, like uh, – Tampering? What? Huh? The, <laughs> I'm about to sneeze. The couple takeaways, though. I, I think the, the two for me, one, credit to Porter Moser for getting into that conversation, getting those Zoom meetings, right? But two, man, is that guy confident and being able to go get every guy. Because it was the only place where there was confidence that Oklahoma could have been the pick was Norman. Mm. No one else that I talked to, like, it was Oklahoma State or Tulsa. So it was just – it's one of those weird things that, as, you know, three weeks ago I I reached out to to a guy that I trust and basically was Oklahoma had a Zoom meeting – they felt really good. Rod Rod Thompson, Bryce Thompson's dad, made them feel really good about where they stood. But the relationship, people completely undersold that Mike Boyden is a, you know, whatever he may be, whatever your opinions are of him, whatever this, whatever that, he can sell you a pencil. Clearly, he can sell you this fo- focus right box that we have. He could sell you that laptop. He he is a really good recruiter. He's really good at getting everybody bought in. I will say this. I'm at a place of Oklahoma would have been a better position for Bryce Thompson in the offense that they ran. Now, maybe he doesn't get 20-plus shots a night, right? Maybe he doesn't become the ball-dominant guard that we saw that happened with Trey Young and what's happened with Buddy Heald in, in the past, right? in the recent past. But he would have had more open shots they'd have been efficient and he would have had a lot more pick and roll opportunities because like credit Mike Boyne, right? Cause it's very obvious that, Hey, uh, roll the ball out to Cade Cunningham and say, Hey, go win us a game. Yeah. Now it says a lot about a coach that he has the trust in a player to go and do that. And to give that player that trust, because like, look at Bill self, right? Like what freshmen go up there and have the ball rolled to them in the final four minutes of a game and say, Hey, go win it for us. Hardly any freshmen. So, Mike Boyden didn't lie about it. He executed exactly what he wanted to. Resulted in a second-round loss to Oregon State, who people failed to mention that beat Porter, Moser, and Loyola in the next round. Now, don't get me wrong. they beat Loyola beat Illinois in the second round as well. But I I, I think my biggest takeaway is, is the fact that after after the fact and what I know now, right, credit to them to get involved. Yeah. Because I didn't – I didn't think they stood a chance.
1: They've been more than involved in the last three weeks, just getting guys sure. left and right out of the portal. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, look at—I've I mean, kind of looked at it this way: if OU was able to land Bryce Thompson, I would have been excited. I would have been very excited for year one of Porter Moser, and more so than just year one, I would have just been excited. Okay, so you're telling me a guy who has no history in this part of the country, especially recruiting, just got on the job and in the first five minutes landed a former five-star transfer from the University of Kansas uh, with no prior history recruiting this kid. Um, My first question would be, you know, just kind of hypothetical, though, uh, as a little tangent, I wonder what would have happened if Lon Kruger was still here, if he Mm. was just here for one. Now, as a guy who was, you know, I like Lon Kruger personally. Uh, He did a good job uh, somewhat, but he did an excellent job in doing what he was asked to do. I just, in my opinion, it was – far too long, but it all worked out for the best because I like Porter Moser and I'm excited for him. I, I'm curious if Long Kruger's still here with his prior relationship with Bryce Thompson, if that could have been enough to pull him, but even still, it still might have been a little bit difficult considering you're, you're fighting an uphill battle of uh, family history with his connection to the University of Tulsa, his family history, and just the recent history of Oklahoma State, like you said, with Cade Cunningham, The the big test for, Oklahoma State is just going to be – Bryce Thompson is not the same type of player no. as Cade Cunningham. I don't see Bryce Thompson being a guy that, like, he's gone
0: after next year.
1: I don't see that. I, no, if he – I mean, obviously, if he had a better showing consistently all year last year, he he's probably not training. He was hurt yeah.
0: for part of the year, too, and COVID, right? Like, you don't get a natural training camp. But I just don't – like, I don't I, – I, you know – Oklahoma State was basically, you know, selling the idea of come here, you're going to get a bunch of shots, we're going to put you in a position to be successful, and then you're going to be off to the NBA. Like, Avery Anderson, I think, is a better scorer, right? So, I – He's a be, I, better scorer. I, I think Bryce is just more natural. So sure. but like obviously, the sure.
1: potential is there. But, uh, I mean, with Porter potentially getting Bryce Thompson, like, to me, it would have just meant more that, all right, OU's in good hands – like in terms of the long-term future here, if they can hold on to Porter Moser, uh, if he can recruit this kid with no history, then what does the future look like? Uh, Obviously that's not the case, but uh, the other thing that I was always thinking about as Bryce Thompson was making his decision was I don't have any expectations for year one. Everything that we're going to see is going to be a cherry on top unless it just simply doesn't work. But I think Porter Moser's proven to be a fairly, (laughs) I mean, at the very least, a competent basketball mind. And if his players can buy in, just imagine what he can do with, you know, year two, year three, year four on the recruiting trail when he gets his guys in a a better brand of player than what he saw at Loyola Chicago. Um, So with all that being said, because I don't have that much high expectation for year one, I didn't necessarily get down with the prospect of, okay, let's get this five star kid in here to like pump some excitement up to increase the talent level of the roster. But at the end of the day, like, even with Bryce Thompson, he's not going to really do that much. And perhaps that would inhibit any type of development around the other players of the roster or just in the program. Uh, so I, I think in the end it's going to work out f- best for all parties involved. Like, let Oklahoma worry about getting those, you know, once in a generation or whatever, like, super five stars, like every few years. Let Oklahoma State have what they're doing right now because at this point they're just a better program today the state of the program is a little bit stronger at Oklahoma State just because of the track record recently than it is at Oklahoma so Bryce Thompson makes the right decision in my opinion and we get to look forward to a whole bunch of development and maybe an upset loss or two next season and just a whole lot of heart hustle and hardwood
0: it is I'm excited I I said this like Bryce Thompson probably helps Oklahoma maybe get to the second weekend right like you sure. you want the guy that can hit those big shots. Like, I think Bryce Thompson's that guy that can create on his own and be able to hit those big shots. But if you've watched any Loyola over the last four years, and I've watched, I wouldn't say quite a bit, I've watched enough to know that, like, Bryce Thompson was going to be a piece of the puzzle. Like, he wasn't going to be the whole puzzle. And this team with the guys that they have, like you say, heart hustle, hardwood, right? I mean... I don't know. I I fall like college basketball when a team can defend the way Loyola has, right? With everybody defending, like even the center. Yes. (laughs) And with the way they defended, it is so like, I don't know. I love it. Like I can't get enough of it. And when it comes to NCAA tournament time and people are like, oh, these, you know, college basketball defenses, like offenses can't score, like blah, blah, blah. It's like, I love it. Like whenever Oklahoma wins a game 48 to 40 next year, against Texas Texas or something, it's going to be glorious. It's going to be ugly, but it's going to be physical. It's going to be high-level defense, um, sound discipline, rebounding. I mean, all the aspects of the game besides putting the ball in the basket are going to be fun to watch. Now, to make it to that second weekend, right, to make it and make a run in the tournament. Like, they're going to need to, you know, be able to score. I, I think they'll be able to. But, again, the most important part of this is that I, I think the foundation has been laid for this group in terms of, okay, you have an Elijah Harkless. Okay, you have a Jalen Hill. Okay, you have a Goldwire now from Duke that defends at a high level. You know, they they have all these pieces to exactly what Porter Moser wants. And, you know, they're not bringing in Trey Alexander. They probably could, right, if they wanted to give the keys to him they probably could get him. They probably could have gotten Jackson Robinson. That went to Arkansas. The kid from Ardmore. That went from A&M. But Moser said, "Hey, we want our guys." He went and got them besides Bryce Thompson. He went and got them. And I think there's a lot to be excited about. And you know, like I don't think that like this instantly makes, you know, Oklahoma less of what we think of them, does it? Like I I don't think I don't feel that way. Like no. if, if they get Bryce Thompson, like I feel a lot better about where they're at because you have a definite score that can create on his own, but they kind of have every piece that they have already, and that they need already.
1: Yeah, like make no mistake, it would have been cool for OU to get Bryce Thompson. It would have made them a better team. I'm not trying to sit here and like, you know, put lipstick on a pig or anything, but it, it's not the end of the world just because the expectations just should not be there, and it just makes realistic sense when you're talking about. Three schools in the state that all have a a non-paper chance to land Bryce Thompson. Tulsa has the family history. Oklahoma State has the recent history of Cade Cunningham going to the NBA uh, fairly soon as a number one overall pick. Uh, Mike Boynton's program is fairly hot right now. Not necessarily that it's been better than Oklahoma, but, I mean, Oklahoma State did sweep Oklahoma um, the final week of the regular season uh, last season, so it should really surprise nobody that this decision came down to Oklahoma State for Bryce Thompson. So that's what happened today in Oklahoma sports, but this is a football podcast primarily because I've been told that this is a football state.
0: It is. It's a football state to the fact that... uh, I guess I shouldn't say it in this regard. Oh, really? Yeah, like... The Thunder just aren't, like, no one's interested. That's okay. They'll, they'll be in interested come the lottery night.
1: Yeah, they'll be interested June 22nd when the draft <coughs> odds get. That's June 22nd? Yeah, when oh. the draft odds
0: drop. This has, been, this has been the most glorious tank in the history of tanks, it and was, I love
1: it. It was good for them last night. I mean, the uh, Cavs beat the Celtics for some reason. <laughs> I mean, Knicks is, I mean, just look at the Thunders' last 24 games. There's one W, and it was against the Boston Celtics. Yeah, they, and,
0: they, and they, 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 the Celtics, because they lost that game, owed us one.
1: I guess so. I feel bad for, like, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I feel bad for Boston just because I love Jalen Brown. I think he's better than, not potential-wise, not whatever-wise over Jason Tatum. I've seen too many Jason Tatum games in the postseason to believe. Uh, Jalen Brown is what scares me on that squad, and he's gone, so man, that sucks for them. But for the Thunder, they're fairly comfortable with a point, f- like a game, like a half game lead for the reverse third seed over Orlando with that loss mm. uh, from Boston last Mm-mm-mm. night. So two more games: got Utah in Oklahoma City tomorrow night, then the Clippers eight o'clock Sunday night to round it out. And I think if they could stick three, I mean you you can like your chances of getting not one, but two top five picks. And if that's the case, I don't know how much longer the rebuild will be.
0: Yeah, I'm at a point where I've said this. I'm a big of like, if they don't get two top five picks, you know, they only have their lottery pick next year, right? I completely understand if they have to tank again, and I'm cool with it. But if they get two top five picks, and if they force a tank again like this, I'll be very frustrated as a fan. I think if if they
1: tank next year, if they do get two top-five picks, it's just going to be because they're trying to win, but they're just not good enough yet. I don't know if it would be an active tank of, like, we're going to start two two two-way players, a G League guy, a 10-day contract, and Darius Baisley. Like, that's active tanking. Mm -hmm. Having lineups where you have guys, five guys on the floor who who weren't ever drafted, like, that's active tanking. And the Thunder are doing... A phenomenal job. Oh,
0: <laughs> the graphic that the ESPN put out of the rating. You
1: know, their logo, like, barely barely yeah. in it at the very barely bottom. Barely
0: even <laughs> visible. It's glory. Like, yeah, it's that's the thing is when you head into the season mentally as a Thunder fan, and it's I want them to lose as much as possible. And you, you and I even had that conversation. They were 19-22 and 22, or 24, whatever it was. Right? They're on pace to actually be kind of a playoff team, maybe play in-game play-in tournament, whatever it is nowadays. And th- if, they, if they do that, like, son of a bitch, what are we f- doing? No, that's what gives me hope. Like, if you're a Thunder fan, that's
1: what gives me hope. Like, if they can get two top five picks, like, why can't they be a playoff team? That's where I'm at. And if you've got the talent, then you should just already start – like, because you don't want SGA to start losing. You don't, you don't want him to just – all he knows is how to lose – Darius Baisley, Lou and all that, all that, and whatever lottery picks they're able to pull in. You don't want them to just know the NBA through losing. So at some point, they've got to flip the switch and at least actively try to win games. Is that guarantee that they will be a playoff team? No, but I think you can easily project that with their talent they have now, and if they get an add two top five picks uh, with how the bottom half of the Western Conference has shaped out this season, I think you can easily project Oklahoma City in there. And then they still have more draft assets after this season, anyway. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if they're uh, not if they're good, you know, relatively speaking. They could still get a high draft pick and keep adding to it. And then, then if Presti says this is good enough core wise, let's start adding some vets. And that's when you start trading away some other draft assets to get like your Jay Crowders of the world, like those types of vets that help you win games and help you win playoff series. So, uh, Thunder fans that listen to Inside OU, don't worry. I don't think it should be this bad for that much longer.
0: And you should listen to the OKC82 podcast, which Brady's a part of, Thunder Post Game Show, all that fun stuff for the franchise. Well, whenever the Rangers aren't playing baseball. Ah, Now, here's the funny thing. There it is. There it
1: is. Here's the funny thing. So we went on, uh, what was it, Friday night? What was this, Sunday night? I cannot remember. Or Tuesday night. When did they play the Kings? Was
0: that Tuesday? Something like that. Yeah, it was
1: Tuesday night. And it was a West Coast tip-off, so, you know, it's a tip-off 9 o'clock local time here. And the game ends around 10.45, 11 o'clock, 11.30. And then we go into the studio from the conference room, and OU's baseball uh, wrap, wrap-up show is on. That game between OU and OSU was on when I was eating dinner earlier that, that, that evening. And it was 6.30, not even 7, and it was in the fourth inning because I was at Chicken Beer watching it. And the damn wrap-up show was still on at 11.30. And I thought, mm-mm, is not getting in the way this time. <laughs> thankfully, Toby Rowland was, like, wrapping up. You could just tell in his voice, like, all right, I'm out. And we were able to go on right when we were supposed to. So, uh, OK C 2 Podcast for the Kings. Loss is out there for your podcast needs if you so desire. You,
0: you ready for football talk? I've got a great, se- I've got a great oh, segment for you. Let's do it. <laughs> We have a new commissioner in the Pac-12, Brady. Gives a rat's ass. The only reason why I give a rat's ass is because Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports just said that they should go hire Bob Stoops as basically a consultant for the conference.
1: Oh, God. (laughs) Can we just stop talking about Bob? Please. Hire Bob Stoops for this. Hell, why didn't Bob Stoops get a cabinet position under Biden? He's not doing anything.
0: I'm, sec- not, I'm the not touching that. The secretary of cruise control. What would what would Bob Stoops even do for the Pac-12? Play golf a lot
1: and get big wigs to invest. I don't know what what do rich people do? <laughs> right.
0: You know, but <laughs> I shake I, hands. What do you think of that hire? What do you, what do you think of the fact that they got into the uh sports betting realm today? MG with hiring the guy from MGM. Sports. From
1: MGM, yeah. Uh, I I think that that's just kind of a a
0: move in terms of we're looking towards the future, and did you notice the the comment he made today? Did you see the big one he made? No what well, he said by this time next month, we will know that the college football playoff will be expanding, and they're for it
1: oh sweet that'll that'll be great content for a, in a month from now for us you know <laughs> sure
0: absolutely oh, I, i'm where I'm at is like I think it could work right with the sports in, with an entertainment person heading your but why MGM like that i mean don't get me wrong like they're one of the bigger sports books casinos in the country but like i don't know if they're the most successful like i don't well maybe
1: they tried to go to the most successful ones and they were like the pack 12 <laughs> <laughs> i made
0: i made the joke today is like they should have just went and hired a barstool's guy you know but i i i think that it's a it's a point in time of, of college football that is very intriguing. I mean, we got three years before we see serious conference realignment talk. Like, if this guy can prove over the next two years that he can improve the image of the league and they can bring in a lot more, you know, dollar value. Um, I made the statement today, like I think the biggest part of this from the athlete side that's positive is that, you know, there's going to be a lot of brand deals to have with these sports books and these casinos in Vegas if you're an athlete, if if you want that, and this guy is basically going to be a open door for that. Like he's opening the door for some of those players to be able to make more money from the sports betting realm. I would assume they get some some licensing deal done with MGM Sports. The Pac-12 does, uh, like we, we've seen some of the NFL. Uh, we've seen the NFL do with some teams. ESPN's got their own licensing deal with somebody. So I I think that you look at it, like, it could work. But when it comes down to it, Brady, like, does this guy know the tradition of college sports, right? Like, what's, you know, or is he going to try to break off and create a super league for soccer teams, right? Like, that's my biggest worry. I mean, the Pac-12 just
1: doesn't scream tradition. Like, there's USC, of course. Uh, Cal Stanford has some tradition to it. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know it. But in terms of like national college football, there there's at least some history there, and it's always you know the the band is on the field, it's it's that. But there's history there. Oregon's kind of the recent you know in the last, in the 21st century of the Pac-12 outside of USC when they had their run under Pete Carroll, it's been Oregon. Um, they're they're a they're a conference that can. I mean, which is why it's weird that they're still like the last one to this. Not in terms of like hiring an entertainment guy to run their uh, league, but, mm-hmm. uh, they're just kind of out on the left coast and no one cares about them. Uh, USC being average has a lot to do with that. Uh, but you would think that the conference on the West coast where, you know, like big tech is the huge thing. Innovation is a huge thing that they're like still married to like, we're the pack 10 essentially. And we want to play in the Rose bowl against the big 10 essentially, and that that's that is what it is like to me. Like, if any conference could just say, "Screw this! Let's uh let's look to the future." It should have been the Pac-12, not the SEC or the Big Twelve or the Big Ten. Like those are the those are the leaks to me that should have been. We're gonna do it the way that we did it forty years ago, because it worked then and it still works now. Uh, but I mean, to me, it's just a little fascinating. But uh, to the slow person like me, Keegan, maybe uh, maybe people like me listen to this podcast. What exactly? Like in theory, what what's th- what's the Pac-12 really trying to do here? Is it just simply bring in more revenue?
0: I think they're trying to be able to have connections in the entertainment industry that they've. I mean, look at the failure of the Pac-12 network, right? Like it's been a dumpster fire out there, and with that, and you should know, it have been successful though? Probably not. I mean, I think I, mean, like, I think you're right. I think the fans don't do. care. I think that's a lot to do with USC football not being as good as what they need to be. Yeah. Um, I mean,
1: what what's Jokes aside, what is the Longhorn Network? Like, it's still on, so I would assume it's fairly successful. But because Texas has been so average since its inception, that must affect ratings. That must affect viewership in some way. Like, if they were – if the Longhorn Network launched in 2000 instead of 2010 or 2011, I mean, that would have been – I mean, non-Texas fans would have watched that that channel because they were a top-five program year in and year out.
0: They can't do high school coverage, right? It's all I've heard is that, like – The Longhorn Network, when they found out that they couldn't do high school football Fridays and Saturdays... Because that sounds like a recruiting violation. (laughs) We we can't do that? Yeah, when they couldn't do that, I think that impacted a lot of what their mindset was with what Longhorn Network could be. So, with that, no, like, Patch 12 Network, just, I don't know, because of, like you said, like, I mean, it's a professional coast. I mean, the coasts are coastal elites, right? Like, that's the title of it. You know, I... So I'm with the point of – I think it's a good hire from the aspect of he has obvious connections in the industry and knows how to – like one of his most recent tweets is that, you know, he brought in so many tickets for two fights in Vegas at one of their casinos at MGM or something that they opened up a third fight. You know, like that's a positive thing, you know, but at the same time, like I said – like, w- if, if he's so involved in the how can we make this brand stronger, like how can we make the most money, like what's stopping this guy from, you know, putting together a, a super league, right, like the soccer teams in Europe and, and face the – and get the, you know, blowback that those leagues got or those teams got. I mean, h- hell, the f- fan bases in Europe basically said, get these owners out. Get these Americans out. <laughs> get them out. Get them Still T everywhere.
1: No, it's, I mean, I don't know. Like, how, do you think a few years down the road now, assuming and knowing that the Granite Rights thing is coming up in a few years, but let's just pretend that the Big 12 is still a thing in the next six, seven years? Yes. Long shot, but let's just assume that. Are they going to be left in the dust in terms of looking towards the future, innovating in, ter- in, in the leadership of the conference? Or is the current leadership of the conference aware of where everything's going?
0: I don't know if USC, UCLA, the Arizona schools in Oregon from a, maybe, I just don't know if you can exclude them because of the monetary value they bring, right? Like, I don't, I don't know how they get left out of, of all of that. I just don't, I don't see that, but, you know, I don't know where we're heading. Like, we did that long conversation two weeks ago on, you know, the Knight commission report and and expanding the playoff. Where at though? Huh? Where where do we talk about that? Oh, on the uh through the keyhole, the Patreon. Oh yeah,
1: have. it's $4 a month or $5 a month depending on what you want.
0: Yeah, we give you give you it all. We we can we, yeah. we we deliver. Yeah, we're almost 120 patrons, so let's get there fairly quickly. Let's do it. But we had that conversation, right? And I'm at a point where I don't know if it'd be a bad thing like if that happened. Like if the big like Oklahoma and Texas were like, okay, Kansas well, they hired a good coach, who knows. West Virginia, okay, gone. Kansas State, Kansas, sorry, gone. You know like and they're like, okay, Arizona State with Herm Edwards is doing really well. Clay Helton may have figured it out. I hate to say him, that. Him
1: him recruiting like USC recruiting well, I don't care. Sure, I'm with you but they've, like they've, they've had talent. They
0: still have I mean he made a good offensive coordinator hire and brought a good DC in. I yeah. I just it's like, "Oh god, like did, did Clay Helton figure out that he can't do everything on his own?" We'll see. You know, to be to be determined, they have really two they have a game at home against Utah this year, game on the road at Notre Dame, game on the road at Arizona State. They're gonna have to figure out, but
1: Pac twelve is potentially like they're either going to make the playoff because of a few games non conference wise, or they're just gonna be shut out again.
0: I agree. Yeah, USC and Oregon or it is the way the Pac twelve set their schedules up, Brady, it's like Oh they're gonna shoot their wide, like eat one way or the other. <laughs> uh, it's like, oh if we give our teams that had the best chance to make the playoff the easiest path, it can help them out. Yeah. That's weird how that works. (laughs) Big 10, the ACC, and the SEC have figured that out. Big 12 can't do that because of 10 teams. But you look at USC schedule and Oregon schedule, and you're like, what the fuck? Like, what? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, USC doesn't play Oregon, and they don't play each other in the regular season. They know what they're doing now, I think. Maybe you're
1: gonna have the same problem a few years that the Big 12 did when OU Nebraska stopped playing. Like, yeah, one of those programs is gonna go south fairly quickly because they're not playing the the premier flagship school. I think
0: that I think what that you would you say that'd be Stanford? Like Stanford's fallen In off In this
1: decade. Maybe, like it's them or Oregon, but they've mm-hmm. fallen off in the last two years. Yeah,
0: they, and they, they may come back, but we as we note with the – They just have a ceiling as a program. For sure, yeah. they do. And, and Oregon sh-
1: appears to not have one, but they somehow find a way to hit that ceiling in the regular season and miss the playoff. That's just what they do.
0: Yeah, they've got a gimme game this year, right? They, they, going well, to they go to Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yeah. Big noon kickoff got announced today. You know – don't get me wrong; it's way early here. But if the quarterback position at Ohio State's as rough as what everybody's saying it is, don't I wouldn't count out a true freshman five star going up there and well, being able to knock off the Buckeyes. Quinn, you, was it
1: Quinn Ewers? Is that his name? He'll be there next yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, he'll be there next unless year. unless he flips to Texas.
0: Who they? Who do
1: they have now? Ohio State.
0: The, it, the two guys they have now are two guys that I've evaluated in person, and trust me, like you know, I wouldn't say that kind of stuff if I didn't know. And I evaluate these guys, as you know, at the Elite 11, which leaving both of the Elite 11s I've been at, I've had a pretty good feel, and Brady can attest to that, of what quarterbacks are going to end up panning out, which one's probably not. Um, funny enough, Hudson Card is a guy that I mentioned that i actually liked <laughs> now at Texas. and But the uh, Kyle McCord kid that's up there, and then I forgot who the other one that they have, but neither of them that I was – or Stroud is his last name. He won the Elite Eleven that year, but that Elite he Bryce Young played like doo doo, right? Yeah. Remember, remember when I was leaving the Elite Eleven and and talking to you guys, and I was like, Bryce Young's a five star. Then he got a lot better his senior year. Goes to Alabama. He's going to put in an offense that has success. I'll, but
1: I'll never forget what he looked like on the field, in the national title game. Just like I hope he grows. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> You know he didn't have a super strong arm, but again, if it was if it was Sark as the OC there, I'd be a lot more confident. In That's okay. Came. They've got Bill O'Brien now. Oh, he's really really g- oh, <laughs> oh he's not. Who's their DC? Oh, Golden? Golden? He's great. Oh, he's not very good either. Uh, I'm glad things worked out the way that they did. It's funny how that happens. Yeah. I still want to know like if OU had lost that Big Twelve championship game in 18 to Texas. Like oh, is oh, Pete no. Golding is Pete Golding the DC at the time? Like because that, I mean I, we know we both know like that was a lot more than just message board fodder. Like that was real. So
1: remember they chatted after the Orange Bowl that year, Lincoln Riley and Golding.
0: Yeah, it was. They uh, hit it off at a symposium the summer before that, and Lincoln was like, "Yeah, if our defense is as bad as it is, like we may be giving you a call." And then it ends oh, being Alex man. Grinch, who thank God has had a uh, has had a big big career um, for Oklahoma. But yeah, we got off in a little tangent there. No, I think the Pac-12 is in a much better place today than they were yesterday, and we'll see. Like it's going to be important because, like, obviously we said this. You know, we've got a couple. We'll know Oklahoma's fate within the next year because of the third tier rights they got to sell, right? Like. If – how do I say this? We've both – everybody's – you know, if the Big 12 is going to do anything, they need to add two teams, and it's probably two teams from the Pac-12 that they're going to add. So this is going to be an important moment in time for them. And like we said, I, we can't say his last name. I don't know how to say his last name. But Pac-12 hired the former director of MGM Sports Entertainment, which is a, uh interesting hire, by the least. That's all I got on that.
1: Well, at least the Pac-12 made the news today because I don't like – I don't know the next time we we're going to be able to talk about them anyway because they're just kind of boring. But uh, uh, Keegan, OU football. We're hitting it. We're hitting the wall. But I did bring up something. I mean, we've talked about the ad nauseum already on Through the Keyhole, but I'll touch on this because I love our Inside OU listeners as well. Uh, Seth McGowan, Trajan Bridges being formally dismissed, and now charges being filed officially. Um, the big question is, and I'm sure people already have the answer in their head, but um, the big question out there is, like, is this going to be any type of – is this fatal to OU's championship hopes? I've been fairly adamant when this kind of news dropped a few weeks ago that I'm like, I don't think it will be. I don't I don't believe so because of the talent at both wide receiver and running back, surprisingly so. Um, I, I don't know if it's – I don't think it's going to be detrimental. It just makes it all that much more important that Jaden Hazelwood, Theo Weiss – Marvin Mims, Mario Williams, you name them. They hit their ceilings fairly quickly, fairly early, and none of them get hurt because the depth is just – it's fairly thin for a program that's recruited those positions very well. It is. uh, Well, wide receiver, not necessarily. Thanks, Jay Boulware, the gift that keeps on giving.
0: Yes, for sure. Let's start with McGowan. Uh, I'm at a point where we've – I hate to say it like this. We've seen enough of Marcus Major to know that like he's probably not gonna be the guy ever, but if Kennedy Brooks doesn't return to Oklahoma brainy and Seth McGowan does what he does, well, they may be in a world of hurt, yeah, legit world of hurt, and because Marcus Major as the
1: number two back, not good, no him as a number three back fine,
0: yeah, I'm cool with that. Yeah. I'm I'm cool with that. Come out on, one drive, get a couple carries. You know, both caught and bowl performances
1: last year, very good.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you know, so I I look at this and I say, Seth McGowan, probably now. You know, we're a couple weeks after really diving into this conversation. Seth McGowan now probably has less and Im- has probably more impact because Marcus Major is your third guy. Yeah, than what Trederon Bridges. Because there was a video posted today on Twitter, Jaden Hazelwood's not wearing a brace while he's working out. Ooh. as we reported on the Inside of You podcast, that was going to be a thing,
1: or one of the one of the things that we do. Yes, one of them things because we're inside. Yeah, we're we're deep in there. <laughs> he's not. Like, he was not in a brace. You? Get the hell out of here.
0: <laughs> he actually subtweeted me. But anyways, Uh-oh. I uh, Uh-oh. I uh, I don't. I still to this like. Again, we're getting into semantics here. You're telling me Jaden Hizwood, after he works out, is not going to get treatment or rehab on his knee? If he wasn't, OU fans should be pissed. <laughs> right? But at the end of the day, no, he's training without a brace on. And to me, Brady, he's your Z. He's been your Z. Uh, you know, if Bridges wasn't around, he was your Z. And he sure looks like it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wrote about this on the Monday
1: Morning Post on – through the keyhole, I mean, I think what everybody's trying to predict and unfairly because we just haven't seen it yet, it's something we have to wait for. Um, I mean, even Jaden Hazelwood could become like an All-American type talent this season for all we know because the talent on paper is there. But it might take him two, three, four, five games to really feel comfortable it took DeMarco Murray a handful of games in 2008 to feel comfortable after he tore his knee in half in Lubbock the year before so I mean there's precedent for things like that like it would not shock me if Jaden Hayeswood is rather pedestrian and then turns it on the second half of the season because it just okay I've got my sea legs back and it's time to time to hit it but I mean OU I think can still have a lot of success without having a CD Lamb I mean, like there are examples. Like my question to you, since you've a little, you're a little bit more knowledgeable about other teams than just OU. But I mean, historically, OU 2000, they did not have a CD Lamb. They had a bunch of great receivers. You know, Antoine Savage, Curtis Fagan, Josh Norman, uh, a freshman Trent Smith, Quentin Griffin catching passes out of the backfield. Like they just had a bunch of guys who you could depend on. They didn't necessarily have CD Lamb. They didn't necessarily have Ryan Broyles to lock on to. So, um, I mean, is there precedent for They're not being, like, a lock-on target. Because I I think LSU might be the example, but LSU's receivers that year were all
0: first-round picks.
1: So, like, any one of them in a normal receiving core would have been the lock-on target. Mm -hmm. They would have been the C.D. Lamb, but they just happened to have all of them at the same time.
0: They did, and they they had a unique case. Alabama kind of the same. They had a unique case of also having – we only got to see him for one year in college football, so he can't get, like, that best-of-all-time, like, rap. Offensive coordinator, right? Oh, Joe
1: Brady. I mean. Well, passing game coordinator. He's the best passing game coordinator of all time.
0: Passing game. Yeah. Yeah. Steve Ensminger, let me tell you, I interviewed that guy twice at the Peach Bowl. Uh, that guy was not the offensive coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. He is now. Yes. He, he is. He? I don't know. Anyways, regardless, it's a, it doesn't matter. But I, I look at that situation and I say, You had the right quarterback with the right offensive coordinator with the elite talent around them with a good enough offensive line.
1: Good enough defense.
0: Good enough defense. And everything worked out in your favor. Alabama was
1: in a transition year with some injuries.
0: For sure. sure. And, I mean, they still went down there and kicked their ass. That's one of my favorite games because I go back and look at that and I go, man, a running back won them a football game in Tuscaloosa. Not Jamar Chase, not Justin Jefferson, not Thaddeus Moss. Clyde Edwards, one of my favorite guys. I've I've actually broken down on tape. He's he's so good. He's so special. I mean,
1: seeing OU's defense, I mean, no offense, I I get it, but when he came out onto the field in the Peach Bowl cuz he didn't start, like LSU drove on their first drive, they're down the field on their fourth or fifth play, they get inside the red zone and they put Clyde Edwards a layer in the backfield mm-hmm. and they pump they just play action to him. OU secondary just bit so hard. Oh, like, he was—they bit so hard that before the camera zoomed out, you could see the safeties in the foreground, and then right over the top, wide open. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I get it, but
0: man, to the OU receiving core, I, I think that they're—they're they're not. They don't have that top end. Justin Jefferson, Rookie of the Year, Jamar Chase, maybe Rookie of the Year talent. But when you line up Jane Hazelwood, Marvin Mims, Theo Weiss, and Austin Stogner. That's four NFL guys. Like Yeah, there's nothing to there's nothing to feel ashamed about, right? I mean, that's don't get me wrong, like the depth behind him is not great. You have Drake Stoops, you have Mario Williams, you have Cody Jackson, um Devin Staten, you know, he's a stud. Sorry. No, f- I'm kidding, Devin. I'm sorry. I mean, I, uh, in
1: a weird way, if Cody Jackson can just be dependable as a rotational guy, sure. that will speak volumes about how like potentially good the receiving core can be.
0: And here in a couple years, you know, we say this and we always project, right? Like We say this, but if you do look two years down the line, the depth is going to look really good. and So I think that problem is going to be alleviated here quickly, fairly quickly. But at the end of the day, though, I I look at this group and I look at this receiving core, the high-end ceiling for them, Brady, is very high. You know, you have Jaden Hazelwood back that he would have been their outside receiver. Like, we – We'll get into this a little bit here in a sec, but he would have been their outside guy, primarily the X receiver over Theo Weiss. That's where he was working at before Tredgen Bridges' situation. Like, that doesn't necessarily fit Jane Hazelwood. Like, he is kind of lamb in that way. Like, he is more, the, he is at his best when he's playing inside out, can do a bunch of different things, and now he's in that position. It's there. It, again, him and Rattler are both in the same conversation yep. with this. The opportunity is there, take it and run. Take it and run. Because if you don't, you're going to be in Norman for another year. You want to go to class for another year? No.
1: A class can be fun, Keegan. Oh, you're right. It can be fun. I I guess I... These are student-athletes we're talking about Yes, not
0: athlete students.
1: (laughs) Athletic students.
0: Yes, not that. (laughs) You know, so I I look at what they can be. um, And it's exciting. Like, if Jane Hazel was healthy... And we get 2019, Jaden Hazelwood. Oklahoma's got a chance to be have a receiver that's a first-round guy. Marvin Mims, first-round guy. Theo Wees, probably not. Austin Stogner, probably not. Yeah, I mean, the the thing about what what makes somebody
1: C.D. Lamb is not just the C.D. Lamb talent or the you know which Jaden Hazelwood appears to have. It's just the consistency, being able to make every single catch, being able to run every single route. And Jaden Hazelwood being hurt and still making some insane catches even last season, I mean, that bodes well. But what we just don't know is just the consistency factor. Mm-hmm. Is Can he do that every single play? Especially when, you know, by game five, six, seven, if he's who we think he is, I mean, the defenses are going to go after him as well and bracket him. Can he still make plays in spite of that? Can he block downfield well? I've seen him block fairly well, mm-hmm. uh, considering that he's been relegated to either being hurt or a lower Rotational receiver uh, on the depth chart, but every every sign points to he should be all conference yeah. at the very least. For and if, sure. he's all, if that's it, I mean, Theo, Marvin, all these guys are going to be able to make plays too. They made so many plays last year, and all we do is think about the nine touchdown drops. Yep. I mean, albeit it's not acceptable. Lincoln Riley called them out for it in the spring for, uh, because of that, and he was right to do so but they still made so many plays. The problem is just going to be like, is it going to be another situation next season where so much is left on the table and you look at the, you look at the schedule and there's like one loss again Mm-hmm. where, where there really shouldn't be like this. This is the year where they like, we'll joke about inexplicable losses because we cover and follow and root for Oklahoma
0: football. But this, this should be a year where that just doesn't exist. It shouldn't. And you look at the, you know, the drops, right? Like, I just don't – like, the guys that had drops just have never had drop problems. Like, if that happens for another year, I think that spe- says more about – and I'm not taking shots. I think that says more about Dennis Simmons and Kale Gundy than it does the receivers. Because these that hasn't been an issue, right? From – you go know, back from Theo Weiss in high school, like, Theo Weiss's freshman year, like, never was an issue. And even last year, like, Theo Weiss made all the really tough catches – And he dropped some of the routine ones. He dropped all the routine
1: ones. I didn't drop all the routine ones. Not all. It's just the ones that we remember. For sure. And look, if they drop passes with a spring, with a summer, and with a normal fall, then yeah, that's just what they are. But that's the good thing that you can take away from last season. Like, oh, you lost two conference games in a row, and Mm -hmm. they were in danger of losing three. Mm -hmm. They were in danger of starting the season off one and three. Mm hmm. Well, I mean, they didn't have spring, they didn't have a summer, they didn't have a fall, so if that's going to happen, you would hope that it happens in a season like that. Mm-hmm. Now, if it happens in a season like this, then there's just no there's no excuse. I mean, this season is just nothing but no excuses. The talent level is there, the schedule is there, uh, the depth is somewhat there across when you're looking at it across the board. Uh, in certain specific positions, yeah, we can nitpick. Uh, but, I mean, the big games on the, on the schedule, I mean, Nebraska's big just because of the pageantry, It's big in name only. (laughs) Texas is going to be big because it's OU Texas, uh, and you just don't know what a new coaching staff and a new uh, set of players can bring to the table in that game. Um, Oklahoma State's going to be big. Iowa State, of course, is going to be big. But, I mean, even Iowa State, Keegan, I'm trying my best not to sound like I'm disrespecting them. But the way I see that series over the last few years, particularly the last two or three, all I see is... You squandering opportunities to solidly defeat them, correct? So, 2019 Jalen Hurts got in the way, uh, CeeDee Lamb having an uncharacteristic fumble got in the way.
0: And look, I do you have to put the Jalen Hurts audio whenever you say that? No, no, okay, because I like Jalen Hurts, okay, I know,
1: I um, do too. No, you, you, sorry, you, you have a dartboard with his face on. It. <laughs> I've seen it, I synced it right behind the casting couch. I, mm. um, Yeah, so Jalen Hurts gets in the way. Now again, Iowa State made plays. I'm not trying to sit here and say that it was just OU who stubbed the toe, but it was OU who opened the door for Iowa State to come back in that game. Uh, Ames last year, both same thing. Yeah, so like three drop touchdown passes, Mm -hmm. and OU barely loses a game they played fairly bad in. Mm -hmm. Now, Big Twelve Championship, Big Twelve Championship, (laughs) as a, a patron of ours tries to screw with the knobs. Uh, Big 12 Championship, it was the same story from the entire twenty twenty season of OU kicking ass from the beginning and then just not being able to keep their foot on the gas for one more drive to really end it.
0: That was the only game that you go, Man, if Spencer was on, yeah. They may have blown them out.
1: And you know, our good friend uh Peyton, uh also a patron of ours, uh Peyton the patron. That's uh I don't like that's not alliteration, I need to think of one more P but... Um, we were talking back and forth about this the other day, about that game. You can, you can describe it as this. Iowa State played consistently in that game longer. Oklahoma just had better highs, and they had more highs than Iowa State, and that's why Oklahoma was able to eke out a win, that they really should have, at the very least, I mean, beating a team like Iowa State by 10, 14, or 17, in my opinion, is like kicking their ass. Correct. Like, you're not going to blow them out, I don't think, unless they have an awful day. Brock Purdy does his thing negatively, and is just absolutely on one. A team like that you're not going to destroy, but a 14-point, just a, a multiple touchdown lead at the end of the game is kicking their ass. And I think like that's going to be a big telltale sign, of course, is if OU can do that against Iowa State, regardless of what their record is, Iowa State's, that will tell me, okay, this team is truly ready to get over the hump in the playoff.
0: I agree completely. You want to finish, you want to you final, put the final chapter on trejan Bridges' career at Oklahoma oh, right now? Please do. <laughs> and I say this, and I laughed at this, but, like, to me, based off what we know now, and we'll get into just a little bit of that, based on what we know now, it's certainly Dupree 1, Bomar 2, Bridges 3 in terms of, best that never was right oh sure something it's somewhere in that we saw more of Rhett Bomar for sure and saw more Dupree obviously but saw enough (laughs) yeah for sure um let's just say this and this is the the one story we'll give the week leading up they had a live period in practice Mario Williams was put on the first team for I don't know that reason. Why? Who knows? Treden Bridges was put on the second team for for that day. I don't know why. Well, Bridges didn't say anything at the time. And then he worked with the second team, caught a plethora of passes, including both touchdown drives they had. He finished them with touchdowns. On the second one, he threw the ball up in the stands, and said, why the F are you putting me on second team, Dennis? Exactly like that, right? Probably exactly like okay. that. Okay. Something very similar to that. And the whole team started dying laughing. Even but the guy who got burned on this play? I think he talked so much shit in practice because he was so much better than everybody that they just didn't care. Literally, there were times on scout team where they had to pull him off scout team because like he was dominating them so bad. <laughs> Well, and that's the final chapter of Treder Bridges at the University of Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess by all accounts he was a great practice player. There have been been players over the years who have been not as good practice players as the guy starting over them, but then you put the big lights on, the big stage on, and then the guy who practices well all of a sudden doesn't play better than the guy who doesn't practice well. I mean, there's weird things like that, and I'm not saying that Treder Bridges wasn't Talented or could have been great. Yeah, could have been very well the best receiver on the team. But I've just, I'll just keep reiterating myself. I mean, OU is just losing a guy who caught nine passes.
0: Yeah, the production obviously wasn't there. Suspended all of twenty twenty for the most part. Didn't really get a chance to get going. But the more, (laughs) the more you hear about him from practice, (laughs) like talking to other people too. It's just like, man. I want that practice tape. <laughs> yeah, okay. <no kidding. laughs> Obviously, that's not access that we'll ever be able to get on the Inside of You podcast. But We'll wait for Lincoln's book. Oh, yeah. I'm so going to be a part of that. Did you see that picture of him photoshopped today?
1: Oh, with the old face? The old face and the old hair. Looked that like, looks scary, looked man. look like Lincoln Popovich. Yeah, the, like the, the truly scary thing about that is, is he's f- five, six years older than I am. Mm-hmm. So if he's that old, I'm right behind him.
0: I don't like that. <laughs> you know, we did have other OU breaking news today that you have just glossed over. Now, what was that? Oklahoma zone Olivia Munn now dating uh, John Mulaney. I don't know who that is. He's a comedian, I think. John Mulaney? Yeah, I don't know who
1: that is. He's I a stand-up comedian.
0: Oklahoma grad Olivia Munn. Didn't know
1: that until today. Yeah, she, um, what high school did Sam Bradford go to? <laughs> PC
0: North? <laughs> yeah.
1: PC North? Or PC West.
0: God, I hope Eddie listens to this.
1: <laughs> I look. I, I went to high school in Oklahoma. I'm, I wasn't raised here. No, I'm. W- you know what I don't saying give that. a rat's ass about high school sports. <laughs>
0: like they're, they're children. Like I only name. do if it's cashing. That's it. Oh sure. Shout I, out. Shout I out mean, to them. Wild I graduated cats. from Norman North, and I. I sh-
1: shit, I don't give a rat's ass about Norman North.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit different. Class A, six A, but it's a. Uh, no, I I thought that was jokingly saying that because it was actually like a big deal. Like I can't get to the point, Brady, to where I care about what's going on with celebrities. I don't understand that infatuation. Uh, what's going on? Like people who get
1: like I need to know about so and so celebrity. Yeah, I mean it's the same shit that we do with football. Like we we have to know the ins and outs of everything. Like that's we,
0: at least that's we, that's at least matters, kinda.
1: Yeah, I mean. It matters to, to them. you, person. I mean, to you personally. I mean, I don't give a I don't give a damn about the Kardashians, but it matters to some people, unfortunately. But I would probably say that people that like the Kardashians are like, man, I can't believe people podcast about
0: football, <laughs> especially about twenty year olds. <laughs> I Can't believe they follow kids. It on-
1: means more to me. Damn it! it
0: well, why are you following kids around in high school, hoping
1: they pick your school? Hey. Here, let's let's in the pot on this. Who's okay. that? Who's that Aggie dude who just wants to hate on OU on Twitter all the time? Billy Lucci is that his name? L-
0: the uh, Texas guy that you're not fond of. Yeah, yeah, that's Billy Lucci.
1: His name is Lucci.
0: Yes, L I U C C I.
1: What like what's his? Uh, is he just looking for Twitter fame? Like if that's it, then like no more questions asked. It's like okay, like if you want to do that? Fine.
0: I think it's 50-50 because like he is a definite diehard like Aggie fan. Right. Like I can only imagine a worse hell. You know,
1: and that, that have you heard about Texags? Like take Sooner's. They're Scoot- the ones who broke the Rhett Bomar news. Really? I'm not kidding. It was somebody's <laughs> girlfriend told somebody who was a poster on Texags. You know they
0: have a QAnon board on that?
1: They have what? A QAnon board on that. They've got a Q anon guy on yeah. there? No, they have a, a whole threat. <sighs> this isn't a political, I just think that's hilarious. Well, I mean it makes sense. They're pretty culty. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I, here's the thing, like, I don't, like, what does Texas A&M do? They're not a program I, like, think about.
0: Yeah. They got a chance to be pretty good this year, I think but. about
1: Oklahoma State more than I think about them, but yet they still interject themselves into the damn conversation. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like, what have y'all done? <laughs> we'll beat y'all in the combo. I don't fucking care. <laughs> have it. <laughs> Who gives a fuck?
0: They... They got a little taste of success last year. Um, and they barely beat North Carolina in the Orange Bowl. Congratulations. It depleted North Carolina. I fan. know. Yeah.
1: And and look, North Carolina was nice for their standards, but I mean. Well I look, above and beyond. Yeah, I, I looked at that matchup and thought, well, this is going to be an easy win for A&M. And then even they fucked that up.
0: You know, I I, this, I don't know if this is a hot take, but I feel pretty confident that Sam Howell is going to do better in the NFL than Mitchell Trubisky did. Yeah. Yeah. That feel, is that fair? Do I, is it, can I say that already? I, I, I like Sam Howell. I do too. I I know we're getting into, have you noticed the uh, takes? I know you have. That, like, I'm not prepared for 365 days a year. This is, like, the first time I'm noticing it of NFL draft takes. Well,
1: I will say this. I mean, I saw a graphic of, like, the top quarterbacks heading into the season for mm-hmm. the NFL draft. And I'll just say this. This is going to be a bad QB class. <laughs> I mean, Spencer Rattler's going to be good. Sam Howe's going to be good. I kind of like the Penix guy from Indiana, but even he's just like, is he just
0: good college-wise? You know, it, its you have to take into account a couple things here, like in all seriousness. And, I, and somebody's going to emerge. Yeah. Right? Well, I think all the guys that are mentioning could emerge, right? Because think about from this aspect. You have three of the So, like, Keaton Slovis at USC, right? Like, he wasn't prepped to be the starter in 2019, so, he didn't really get, like, super, you know, prepared for the season as the starter. So, like, last year was his full, first full year starting, right? It's COVID year, six games, spring, summer. Same conversation with Rattler, right? Same conversation with Matt Corral at Ole Miss, who uh, threw 11 picks in two, a two-game setting last year. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, regardless <laughs> to that uh, – the only one of the guys, like Phil the Jerkovich kid from Boston College, remember him in the Clemson yeah. game? He's got a chance, I think, to be pretty good. Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati, he's pretty good. Um, the, oh, I forgot about De'Aeric King. De'Aeric King in Miami, Malik Willis at Liberty. His
1: problem is just going to be size.
0: For sure. And both of them, I mean, I think both of them kind of fall from that they're like, they're better. They're a better athlete than they are a quarterback. And now, don't get me wrong, like, you can get away with that in the NFL these days, but still, it's to a point, like.
1: I like De'Aeric King's arm.
0: I do too. He just doesn't. He throw everything's a fastball,
1: right? Like, yeah, I I see that. Yeah, that's that's a concern. Lamar Jackson was. I'm not saying he's Lamar Jackson, but uh, that's what I saw when he was at Louisville. Was just everything was just down the line, harder and shit. You know, like I I mean, I get it. Like, yeah.
0: But this year, I wanted to say like, I think it's important to remember that of the like top four or five guys next year's class at quarterback. They all will take – They if if they take the leap they should, as experience should allow them to, it'll be monstrous leaps. Like, we'll see Rattler become a first-round graded, first-round quarterback. We'll see Matt Corral become a first-round graded, first-round quarterback. We'll see Keaton Slovis become a first-round, you know, graded, first-round quarterback. Um, the other guy we're not mentioning, and the guy that I failed to mention somehow, uh, Jane Daniels at Arizona State. I know we've seen a little bit of him on some night games, and you know I'll dive into some of that tape as we get over to the season. When we we're looking at, as Brady knows, not a lot of people do, that I already have my list of contenders every year for the college football playoff. I get that done in January. We'll go through those over the summer. We're gonna have a through the keyhole preseason poll. I don't know. You know, it's not necessarily a preseason poll because like the one metric that reply like relies a lot in this thought is schedule, yeah. right? So. Yeah, I, I think you're looking at a, a situation where, with these quarterbacks, right, like you are saying, like you see the list and you go, oh, boy, like next year's draft could be interesting if there's not a quarterback. But yeah. they're all 20. They They're all 20 last year. And the four of the top five guys, Brady, are going to be juniors, true or third-year players in college. Like, yeah. they should take a leap this season. And then if they don't, they'll go back to school because that's what they should do. But I think it's very apparent – Spencer Rattler is in a position of, you are in the pull position, sir. And as Lincoln has told you through the media twice already this spring, take it and run. It is all there for you to be the number one pick in next year's draft. Take it and run. That's how we're going to end this one. Everybody, thank you so much
1: for listening to the Inside OU Podcast. And once again, thank you to our friends at Vanessa House Beer Company, On Broadway and 8th in Oklahoma City, Great Beer Vegas Wedding. They've got slush fun sours that are just going like something that goes a lot. Hot cakes? I hate that. I hate that cliche. Uh, But we enjoy it. We have a good time. The beer is so good, and the fun is so fun. So come on out sometime whenever you're looking for a good place to have a good time and have some good beers and also, one more plug for our Patreon page through the keyhole patreon.com/slash-through-the-keyhole. Four dollars a month gets you basically everything on there, except five dollars a month gets you every single thing, which includes Keegan's film reviews, and we have a lot of fun. You watched the
0: uh, one, I, the basics one yet?
1: The Zoom, yeah, I watched about ten minutes of it, it's, and it's something that we're fairly excited with of just getting our little community of patrons, uh, getting them together for like Zoom meetings just to talk talk OU football, your film review breakdowns. I mean, we've got basically four months to create some content. I've got some stuff uh, in the can loaded up that I'm just kind of waiting for some finishing touches to put on. You did good
0: on – like, I I told you this. You did good on the uh, Tuesday. I thought that was very intriguing because, like, you know me. Like, I like to get people's perspectives and opinions of, like, mine that aren't my own. Like, I don't see Oklahoma football from a fan perspective anymore. So, like, getting those interviews – are going to be, I think, yeah. very good for like framing, you know, more of an understanding of, you know, my the people I'm dealing with on a daily basis. Yeah, and uh, shout out
1: once again to Forrest Bennett uh, for jumping on the first one of those. And again, like I've been putting it on Twitter, I've got some interviews lined up uh, for next week, the following week, the week after that. Uh, but yeah, we're going to be doing not, like ex- not Kindle Eshbeck, right? I'm. Uh, no, he has not reached out. Okay, I, I, I've not. I, I will block that. I cannot say that he has reached out, uh, but yeah, basically the extra inside OU podcast per week because it's the off season. And I know you guys want some content, and I'm just going to start interviewing some OU fans, OU former football players, and maybe other some other special guests along the way, uh, just to break up the continuity. And also to get you guys' voices out there because I want you guys to feel included. So, once again, if you're interested on in jumping on Inside the OU with me, Inside the OU, Inside OU, <laughs> one to, whatever the hell this is called. He's not it. even
0: drinking it, tonight. Yeah, I know.
1: I'm like, I am stone sober. <laughs> if you're interested in jumping on Inside OU to talk about your OU fandom and whatever the hell else you want, just hit me up on Twitter at Brady Does Sports and we can schedule something out. But for Keegan Renault, everybody, Vanessa House, all the boys here, everybody, thank you all so much. We'll talk to you guys later.